In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God in me. Actually, I'm very happy to be with you tonight. I heard about your group and your service and your ministry. And every time I plan to meet with you, something happened, so the schedule is changing. So finally, God allowed me to meet with all of you. And actually, you are fulfilling the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 25. I'm sure you know in Matthew 25, which speak about the judgment day, God separated people on his right hand and on his left hand. As we read, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So God will invite you, come inherit the kingdom. Why? For I was hungry and you give me food. I was thirsty and give me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous would answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did you see, we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. And this is actually the focus of your ministry. You go and you ask about the homeless, the poor, the needy, and you provide them. So that's why I said I'm happy to meet with all of you, because you fulfilled this commandment. I was hungry and you give me food, I was thirsty and give me drink, etc. So, God bless your ministry more and more. But any ministry needs grace and support from God, from heaven. Any ministry. One of the ways to get this support from heaven is we ask for it. We ask for this support from heaven. And asking for it, we call it what? We call it prayer. We call it prayer. And one of the things that you do here, either before or after, you come and pray together. Because prayer is a very important element in making our ministry successful. As the Lord told us, without me, you cannot achieve anything. So, I like tonight to elaborate a little bit about prayer. What's prayer? Prayer, in a very simple definition, it's a communication with God. When I communicate with you, it's called communication. 
when I communicate with God, it's called prayer. That's prayer. There are five types of prayer based on the content of the communication. What I am saying to God. First type, we call it supplication. I am asking for something. So, if I pray and I say to the Lord, give me success in my school. That's supplication. Give me a good job. That's supplication. You are asking something. Another type of prayer is communication. Communication, you are not asking anything, but you are just communicating as when you go to your friend and spend time with your friend and just talk with him. So sometimes we talk with God without asking anything from him. For example, you can say, your name is sweet and lovely in the mouth of your saints. You are not asking anything, but you just you are saying. Or, I was glad when they told me, let us go to the house of the Lord. As you say to one of your friends, I was happy when they told me, let us go to the outreach ministry. That's communication. So sometimes when we talk to God, we just communicate. We talk with The third type, we call it intercession. When you pray for somebody else, for example, maybe tonight you prayed for the homeless that you met, or maybe you are praying for the needy. You hear somebody is sick, you pray for him. Somebody departed, you pray for him. And for instance, that's intercession. Fourth type is thanksgiving. When you thank God for something, God, I thank you because you helped me in my exams. I thank you because you helped me to get this job. Or you thank him on behalf of others. And the last one, we call it praise. Praise, if there is, for example, sunset, and you're going to go outside, oh, wow, it's amazing. See how beautiful the sky is? Here you are praising. In the same way, when I am standing before God and I say, Oh, holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of your glory and honor. That's praise. It's not thanksgiving, it's not communication, it's not supplication, it's not intercession. So these are the five types of prayer. Supplication, communication, intercession, thanksgiving, and praise. Tonight, I like to give you practical steps in prayer. Especially during the great fast, you hear fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. You know, sometimes when a physician writes more than one uh, medicine in the prescription, and I serve it in Upper Egypt as a physician, and in the villages in Upper Egypt, they love injections. And they believe that the true medicine is injection. So when I used to write two or three medicines, they go and purchase only the injection. But the injection doesn't, doesn't work alone. If I write three medicines, then the three works together. So if you take only the injection, you'll not get healed. So when they come back to check with me, did you take the medicine? Yes. Okay. What did you get? The injections. What about the tablet? No, I did not get the tablet. 
So I told them, no, injection doesn't work alone. You need to take the rest of the prescription. The same principle, fasting doesn't work alone. If you take fasting like this, people are taking injections on. Fasting works with prayer. Both supplement each other. So fasting without prayer avails nothing. Prayer without fasting avails nothing. So we need actually to put these two together. That's why, as I told you, I want to give you and myself also some practical application for prayer. Number one, you need to have a scheduled time for prayer. Because if you don't have a scheduled time for prayer, you will say, okay, let me drink my coffee and then I pray. Oh, I have phone. I will answer this call and then I will pray. Oh, no, I am late. Let me go to work and when I come, I will pray. And you will start postponing, postponing, and you will never pray. But you need to make a schedule for your, for example, 6 in the morning and 8 p.m. So two or three times you make a very clear schedule. During this time, I will leave everything and I will pray. You know, in the monastery, if you visited the monastery before, for example, the Vespers prayer will start at 5 p.m. So any monk or any nun or any Vesper doing anything around 4.55, we leave whatever we are doing to go to church to do the prayer. When you have a schedule, then you will be committed. But if you leave it get haphazardly, you will not pray. So make a schedule for your prayer. Number two, you need to choose a quiet time and a quiet place for prayer. We read in the scripture that the Lord Jesus Christ woke up early in the morning, went to the mountain to pray. Why? There is characteristic in our brain and our mind called association. Let me explain what association is. If you are using a certain perfume, and every time I meet you, I smell this perfume. So my mind will associate the perfume with you, right? Then if I go to the mall and I smell the same perfume, whom I will remember instantly? You. Why? Because my mind associated this smell of the perfume with you. Let's apply the same in prayer. When we come to the church, we see with our eyes the icons, we smell the incense, we listen to the church music, and we touch, like when we kiss the cross or we venerate an icon, the touching, and also when we take communion, the tasting. So all our senses associate this with prayer. That's why when you go to church, because once you smell the incense, you see the icons, you touch the cross or venerate a cross or an icon, you listen to the church music and you taste the body and blood, you are in the mood of prayer. In the same way, if you have a corner in your house, a quiet corner has an icon, maybe a candle, maybe a cross, and it is just a quiet place, quiet corner. When you stand in this place, this will help you not to get distracted, but to be in the mood of prayer. And this way, because one of the common words in prayer, distraction. 
This would help you not to get distracted. And if 10 minutes before you pray, try to silence all the thoughts. Maybe just it's a quiet time. Don't think about anything. Silence your heart and silence your thoughts. So when you get into prayer, it will be easy to get into the mood of prayer. So just spend maybe 10 minutes too much. Spend 3-4 minutes in silence before you pray. Number 3, you need to have a canon, a rule with your spiritual father. Maybe Abuna will tell you, just I want you to pray for 7 minutes. Nothing more, nothing less. And in these seven minutes, you read one of the Psalms, you read the Gospel, you read the Litanies, and after this, personal prayer. And then Abuna will actually make you grow gradually, step by step. So you need to have a spiritual canon. What you're going to do in these seven minutes, or ten minutes, or twenty minutes, based on what Abuna will guide you. And you need to stick to this time and to know what you're going to pray. Maybe I'm going to pray one of the Psalms, the Gospel, Litanies, maybe Creation, and that's it. And after this, personal prayer. Personal prayer is very, very important. Because personal prayer is what you want to say to God. It's your heart. Many people just pray the, whatever the Agbeya or whatever rule or canon you are getting from your father, but they don't pray personal prayer. That's not right. You need to have your own words to speak to God. Yes, it's important to pray the canonical prayer, whatever from the Agbeya, but you need to add to it what you personally want to share with God. Either supplication, either communication, either intercession, either thanksgiving, or either praise, or all of them. And talk to God. As a son speaking or a daughter speaking to his or her father. Number four, one of the common distractions or warfare in prayer is distraction. And I will give you some hints to help you to overcome the distraction. Try to pray with a soft voice, don't only read with your eyes. Try to utter and let your ear listen what you are saying. For example, let us give thanks to the beneficent God, the Father of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, when actually you pray slowly and clearly and you listen to what you are praying, this will help you to focus. Rushing the prayer will actually get you distracted. Some people, they think prayer is a task. I want just to finish it and to get done with it. Can you imagine if you got your friend, you know, just as a task and you are preparing some point you want to say to them, so you go and rush them, listen, I want to tell you one, two, three, four, five, bye, and then leave him. It's not friendship, it's not a relationship. Sometimes we do this with God. Holy, 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 Lord of the Lord, heaven and earth are full of glory, honor, honor, happiness, and honor, God, what is this? It's not praying. It's not. So make it slow and concentrated and focus on what you are saying. Believe me, I don't care about the quantity of your prayer, but I care about the quality of your prayer. In seven minutes or ten minutes, if you pray three psalms, better than to pray twelve times and you rush them in these ten minutes. 
And this is not my teaching, that's the teaching of St. Paul. When he said five words with understanding is better than 10,000 words without understanding. So don't rush your prayers. Another thing, make your body participate with your spirit in prayer. For example, if you are saying, make me or accept me like the publican beating my chest and saying, beat your chest. If you say, holy God, holy mighty, make the sign of the cross. If you say, worship you, Christ our God, make a prostration and bow down before the Lord. When your body, or for example, when you say, let my raising or lifting up of my hands an evening sacrifice before you, lift up your hands before the Lord. When your body participates in the prayer, you will not get distracted. Because when you say, I worship you and I beat my chest like the publican and I lift my hand up to you, then actually your body is participating with your spirit. Another thing in distraction, Mar Isaac of Syria said, if you are distracted about a certain thought, pray for it. For example, if while you are praying, you are distracted about your school, about your work, about somebody sick in the family, pause your prayer and pray for whatever thought you are distracted about. God, heal this person. God, I am praying to be with me in my exams. These problems that I have in my work, please help me. What if you are distracted with something trivial or something like, mm, I need to finish my prayer because I want to eat, I'm hungry, you know? Pray about this, God, don't let these trivial thoughts distract me from the time of my prayer. So, when you change every thought that's attacking you into prayer, this actually will help you to focus on your prayer. What if you get bored? Some people, they want actually to pray, but when they stand to pray, after one minute or less than one minute, they get bored. They cannot stand for prayer. By the way, I remember when I was in high school, I personally was attacked by this. I couldn't stand for prayer for one minute or two minutes. So I went to my spiritual father and asked him, what should I do? So he told me, choose a spiritual friend and pray with him. So both of you will encourage each other to pray. So if you get bored, he will encourage you. And believe me, I'm, I'm telling you this from a personal experience. It helped me. I asked one of my spiritual friends in the church to meet every morning and every night in the church to pray together. And we started praying together. And this helped me. So if I am bored, I have another one. In Egypt, the church is two minutes away from our house, so that made it practical for us. So it took me maybe a few weeks, and then I was able to pray by myself again. So, if you are bored, ask your brother, ask your sister, ask your parents, ask your children, whatever, to pray with you. This will help you. And also, Rabbina Al, if two or three 
are gathered in my name, I will be in their midst. Most of us, we don't like nagging, right? No, no one likes nagging. But God likes nagging. He asked us to be persistent in our prayer and to nag him. He asked us to do this. In Luke chapter 18, he told us, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard the man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard the man, yet because this widow troubles me because of her nagging, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, day and night, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So God is asking us to come to him and be persistent in our prayer and to ask day and night. God actually is patient with us. And he loves us to speak to him and to, to nag him. God wants to hear our voice. Last thing I would like to mention here, there are some things you need to consider before prayer. You need to stand before God in repentance. You cannot stand before God with unrepentant heart. That's why the first, يعني, in the introduction of any prayer, we have Psalm 50, which is the psalm of repentance. When you stand before God, you need also to stand while you are not holding grudges against anyone else. We say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I cannot ask for forgiveness while I'm not forgiving my brother. So I need actually to forgive my brother in order actually to be able to ask God for forgiveness. The third thing we need to ask in faith, trusting God that he will do the best for me. Because, you know, when anyone asks healing from the Lord Jesus Christ, what the first question the Lord used to ask? Do you believe? Do you believe? Everything is possible for those who believe. So we need to approach God with faith. So we need to approach God with faith. We need to approach God with a repentant heart. And we need to approach God with forgiving heart. I want you to take these words into practice. If you don't pray at all, start praying. Maybe, as I told you, two times. If you are praying, increase the time of praying, especially while in the fast. And we need to grow in the life of prayer. Don't be content with a certain level. We need to grow. David said seven times a day, and then in the Sali of Saturday, we say, with every breath, I praise your holy name. So 
Prayer has no limit. And the more you love God, the more you want to spend time with God. As if you love a friend, you want to spend a lot of time with him. So more you love God, you want to spend a lot of time with him. May the Lord help all of us to live a life of prayer and to commit ourselves to him because through prayer we get the grace that we need it in our service and in our ministry. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.